Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we talk with Hall of Famer Davis Love and discuss Brendan Todd's latest PGA Tour win. My God, my swing feels like an unfolded lawn chair. Well, why do they even have one if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast presented by Whoop. I'm Alex Myers. Today I'm joined by Sam Wyman and Daniel Rappaport in studio. Guys, obviously, new sponsor, Whoop. Nice, Whoop. nice to uh, You had a little yeah. kind of emphasis on the P there. It was D- really did I? emphatic. I liked it, yeah. Whoop, there it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good job. We're, we're excited to have Whoop on board. Uh, we're also excited to talk to Davis Love in a little bit. But first, we will chat about everything else that's going on, including... Brendan Todd, a.k.a. the Todd father, just <laughs> taking over the PGA Tour. Daniel, what is going on with this guy? This is uh, one of the most amazing turnarounds in golf history. Yeah, I thought the Brendan Todd story, that was like gonna, it was two weeks ago, and that yeah. was going to be it. But no, it keeps going. Like you know, It was an amazing comeback when he, uh, when he won in, in Bermuda, and now it's, it's getting to the point where it's uh, one of the better comeback stories that we've seen like, in sports recently. Um, everyone probably knows the story by now, but he drops outside the top 2,000, misses 37 of 40 cuts, and uh, now he wins in back-to-back starts to get inside the top 100. Uh, I think like three weeks ago he was in the 500, so kind of a yeah. remarkable turnaround. One, my favorite stat that I've that I've seen since um, since Todd's winning is he, here's a list of the guys who, since the PJ Tour has gone to the wraparound season 13-14, we always pick really arbitrary time periods like since 2000, since right. this one since 2013, 2014. Okay. Here's a list of the guys who have won back-to-back events. Dustin Johnson's done it twice, including once he won three times in a row. Jason Day has done it twice. Okay. Rory's done it one time. He won three in a row. Right. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Xander Shoffley, Billy Horschel, and Brendan Todd. Wow. And none of those guys dropped to 2,000th in the world. No. So well, all those guys except for Horschel are like, you know, top 10, perennial yeah, top ex- 10 players. Ex- exactly. Horschel, obviously, that was the FedEx Cup playoffs yeah. when he got hot one month. And Xander's two was two months apart. It was He yes. won HSBC and then yes. he won in Hawaii. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't yes, count. That's a little different. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, for well, to show how... No, I mean, I was going to say, to show how low he dropped, as you mentioned, outside the top 2,000, he's won two PGA Tour events his last two starts, and he's still only ranked number 83. Yeah. I mean, I, usually if you went two times, you'd be... But isn't that one of those there. things where all, once all the, the bad golf kind of comes off his schedule, like as more weeks pass and all the miscuts come off, yeah, but then... No, no, but your most recent counts the most... Right. So he has two wins, and his all yeah he has all his. Bad but I'm saying stuff is the more there. time passes, the, yeah. the, the, the more he the more the of, bad golf comes off his ledger. Of course, if he replaces it with, with good he, golf. Right. Yes, but yeah. like he has his he has a Web.com tour win from last year mm-hmm. on there, which came out of nowhere, and so that's all in the last two years. Um, he's it's just amazing. I mean. Yeah, what were you going to say? You had another... Yeah, I was going to say, for comparison, Tiger, who, he hasn't done it since 2013-14. He's won exactly two tournaments in a row six times. Wow. He's won three times in a row twice, and then once each five times in a row, six times in a row, and seven times seven in a row, times which, in which row. makes you wonder, why hasn't he won, won a tournament four times in a row? Is that, is that, the, <laughs> yeah. is that what's the glaring missing from resume. his resume? Just looking yeah. for, for flaws. Uh, <laughs> uh, Todd, I mean, seriously, it, it's amazing. He obviously he struggled with... The yips, we've talked about that. The full swing yips, really, is what was so unusual about it. But, you know, the last couple holes, really, he was a, a little shaky. Obviously, there was a Monday finish. Um, he, he needed to get up and down on that final hole. And he also needed Vaughn Taylor. Poor guy. Had a 15-foot birdie, uh, which would have actually put a lot of pressure on Todd. It makes that four-footer twice as right, long. Right, exactly. He has about a three, four-footer for par. Uh, Vaughn Taylor leaves it in the heart about an inch short i mean you could see the the anguish on his face uh i know you you tweeted something about leaving yeah. putts short when i was a, when i was a kid my dad when i was first starting to ever get birdie putts he would if i left a birdie putt short i had to walk home but you know i've written a story about this and that, that's a flawed that's a flawed oh, it's way. not great yeah, yeah it's not no because we talked to some, we talked to um a couple of coaches about this because and it's actually a really interesting theory so the the thinking is is that Oh, you should uh, always, obviously, never leave a birdie putt short because right. you're not giving it a chance right. to leave it short. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, uh, the best chance you're giving a putt is by potentially leaving it short. Because guys, when they get over these putts, hear me out, 
when they when they get over these putts, um, they just kind of you know ram right. it, should ram it to the hole, ram yeah. it past the hole, so they can say to themselves they gave it a chance. Right. When in fact, when you're factoring in speed and line, yeah. that there is the potential that you will leave a putt short. Shame on my dad for not yeah. Being yeah. I mean, it's for a seven year old me. But I agree, it's a it's a mindset. But that being said, if it does come up short, it literally had zero percent chance to go in. I understand that. Whereas, but, I, but, but in the Sites Cup, I had a putt. Ryan and I, we had to make it. I hit the putt downhill, crushed it, and Ryan even goes, "Oh, you hit it too hard!" Bang, back of the cup. If, yes. I, if I leave yes. it short, it doesn't go in. Creative way yeah. to remind everyone of yeah. the Sites Cup. It was, success. I mean, heroics, heroics. But my point is, is, it actually takes more nerve to hit a putt with a, like the exact. Um, you know, precise speed. Right to to kind of treat it the same way as you would. Treat Whereas it's like putt. just ramming in there, right. and maybe it goes in. Right. Like remember, I always think about uh, Davis, not Davis Love. Excuse me, got some, uh, Jason Duffner when he had in the PGA yeah. when he shot sixty three, yeah. he left his putt yeah, woefully left a short, like three feet short, and then he almost missed it. Right. Yeah. Maybe not the best example, but by one theory, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be a That's Jason a Duffner example. apologist here. By one theory, <laughs> he was giving his putt the best chance. Right. By leaving it three feet yeah, short. Yeah, I would argue that on like a one putt, maybe on the on the hole, that is true. But if your putt is for birdie to tie the tournament, I that, think you got to get yeah. it there. Anyway, back to Brendan Todd. The most interesting thing about this is the fact that uh, he said that he was much more nervous here in Mayakoba than he would be at Bermuda, which is surprising when you think about the fact that one is the difference between not winning a PGA Tour event and, and finally winning again. Mm-hmm. And now is the difference between your first and your second. Yeah. Like, why would you be more nervous now? You think this is the real breakthrough was right. when he won. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe because he had like a five-shot lead in Bermuda. That could have definitely yeah. made a difference. And this one got him into the Masters, so there was a little bit That's of a true. difference. And also, winning twice gets you like 85% of the way to the Tour Championship. Well, and you know what I didn't realize, and this is great. Obviously, when you win the one time, you get the two-year exemption. Mm-hmm. And if you win this early in the season, it's kind of like a three-year exemption. If you win a second time, you get another year I didn't know tacked that. on. I didn't know that. Someone tweeted that out. So... Not that he needed that. I, I'm sure the Masters, obviously, and, yeah, and yeah. other things, and, and you know, another million dollar paycheck is above that. But that's a nice little cushion as well. I mean, well deserved. And and maybe the other way of looking at it is that when you when you're emerging from the depths that he was in, just being contention in Bermuda was the victory, mm-hmm. right? And now you get to this level, it's like okay, there's a lot of tangible right. things at stake: getting to the Masters, exemptions, right. you know, X amount of money. Like suddenly, it's like the 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 bar is much higher to get over. So. Well, also they restarted in the morning. He had the lead. Now everybody's talking about it on Sunday. Oh my God, this guy could win two in a row. Mm-hmm. Now they're like it carries over to Monday. Now if he loses it, it's almost like he was expected to win. Right. It's, you know, and it's against Vaughn Taylor. No offense. I mean, it's not right. not against a big, big uh, couple big names there. So he maybe he did feel. I mean, he the expectations changed where he yeah. thought he He's should a win. Shout out to his coach again, who we gave a lot of love to last time he won, Bradley Hughes, who just, when, when he won, had a great, I can't say it, but F yeah, hashtag <laughs> B Todd. Uh, so good good for him. Uh, I've seen some Brendan Todd pre- President's Cup talk. Now because, uh, well, I, well, that's what I was going to ask you yeah. next. I mean, we, we've we've talked about this before. We, we've been talking about it for a long time. We're still talking about it because of this whole Brooks Kepka injury, yeah. which is, in a way, given the event, more drama. But now you have a guy. I mean, you want to talk about picking the hot hand. Yeah. Does he get he's consideration? The, he's the most hot hand that a hot hand could ever be <laughs> really because he literally did nothing before nothing. the hot hand. It's not like he goes from, you know, he right. was finishing 25th. Like right. He was missing he's every cut in the only world. Only the hot hand. He's a hot hand yeah. is, is all he is. Um, yeah, I mean, it com- it's a fascinating question. If Brooks doesn't play, and I think with each passing day that he doesn't commit to playing, it right. makes it more likely that he won't play. Right. Um, the question is, you know, does Tiger trust the ultimate hot hand right a, a guy with no team usa experience over someone like ricky fowler kevin right. kisner kevin nar jordan speed the gut says no i i wouldn't think so just because mm. i feel like tiger especially is a guy who's like he really wants the tried and true guys right but we'll see if he, he's got another chance this week at rsn he's playing right so but didn't we talk about this last time that it 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 becomes difficult if he has to choose between Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth? Whereas if you pick Brennan Todd, it's like the guy's won his last two yeah right won his last two events. Right, it just you makes all kinds of sense. Whereas I'm now distinguished between this guy yeah. who had this guy's pedigree and this guy's pedigree. It just gets complicated. You know, it's funny you mentioned Billy Horschel. That was like the last he, guy I can think of who was you know had he won. I think he won. He won twice, and they changed the rule. 
Right, the Billy Horschel rule. Yeah. Right, but I'm trying to think. Didn't weren't the selections made prior to the tour championship that no, year? No, so yeah, they were. He didn't get in, and then they changed it. Right, so 2016, that like they did a last minute pick, mm-hmm. and Ryan Moore got the pick because he was the hot hand. Yeah. Then and they were they were like, let's leave a spot open, and then it they were like, well, that's a little too late because it was literally the last week yeah. before, and he had to get all his uniforms and all yeah. this other. Crap. Well, didn't they also add a week in between the Tour Championship and the Ryder Cup? Like, I think I last year that there, year it went last like year there was a, there. I think 2016 there was a week there was there was a week between. Yeah, that that's that's possible. But I think they also went away from the they they, they did three of the picks and then they say, again I love it they draw this yeah. thing out Monday as much before. as possible they, they they waited till the last second to pick and um, you know if you remember Ryan Moore was on a really nice run of course he didn't win anything because it's Ryan Moore he did a lot of <laughs> high finishes but he he did really well in that tour championship I think that was the one that, that McElroy won and and that was the one with um, Kevin Chappell was in the mix too and he yeah. was like oh if Chappell had won maybe he gets the nod he's the hot hand so if you go I mean again if this happened three years ago Brendan Todd would be the pick yeah. because it was the, the it was designed to pick the hottest guy and yeah. he is the hottest guy. Now again you could say well not all these big names are playing right now. This is kind of a soft spot in the schedule. But I mean a win's a win. He's right and you're 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 not playing at the risk of not having a storyline to justify being picked. Yeah. So I mean that's but that's know. that's a good point about like the Spieth versus Fowler. If you kind of go, if you kind of think quote outside the box, not that picking the hot hand is outside the box, but just go out of the usual candidates, you're not then you know daggering one of these guys, especially a younger guy who is supposed to be around for a long time. Um, I know we've been talking about. Nah, we were both disappointed that he didn't play. Mm-hmm. This he's not past playing this week, week either, right? And, yeah. and he's kind of it's kind of like he knows he's not being picked and he's not playing. But meanwhile, there could be this other spot. Yeah, maybe Kisner's he know, maybe he knows week. that even if there is another spot, he's not getting it. Yeah, because otherwise, you would think a guy would want to play just to throw himself out there. Kisner is is playing, but of is, course, yeah, he loves like this his, tournament. It's a home yeah. game for him. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think Tiger kind of confirmed that Ricky was the first guy out. It seemed like just in his yeah. interviews afterwards, he was like, "That was a really tough phone call." And, right. Um, but then Ricky pulled out of, my, of Mexico seemingly right after. Yep. Which seemed like a kind of a, you know, and he's I'm, not I'm not playing. Yeah, but he's not well. I mean, he's sick, yeah. No, so. I, I'm not. I don't know how he's feeling. He's supposed to play hero, so right. I, you know, I I think if he is healthy or if he feels good enough, I still think Tiger he would be the guy that Tiger picks just because he was kind of the first guy out. Yeah, that I, would be that would be where my money would go. Would be Ricky. I just Fowler. can't believe. I think it probably should be Kisner. I was going to say I just can't believe Kevin Kisner's on the team. And when he when he won the match play, we were like, that's yeah. it. Give it and he got to the final the year before. Too. Right. He's he's on the team for the foreseeable future. Like, he's a great match play player, competitor, and. You know, I just I'm amazed. Like a few months later, you know, he didn't qualify in the points, and then he just got written off for these other guys. Now, now it is an unusual situation that two of the biggest stars in the game, Fowler and Spieth, are both out there. But mm-hmm. um, and some people are asking, oh, Tiger gave Spieth his, you know, the spot in Hero. Hero yeah. Is that something? But Kevin Kisner's in Hero, and yeah. Fowler's in Hero already, and you know. So I mean, that's it. I keep every time we have these discussions, I feel like what stats they should come up with. We should yeah. get our boy Justin Ray on this stat, yeah. which is they should do an analysis of what matters more in team competition: your your match play record or your major championship pedigree. Mm-hmm. So if you had to measure, you know, your you average uh, or your stroke average in major championships, so that's sixty nine point right. seven five versus you have a right. six fifty win percentage in match play in match play competition. Yeah, that could be interesting. It's tough. It's such small sample sizes with some of these guys, but but like a Kisner, you would probably see it. I mean. You know, right, you're basically basically. Had, I mean, he not that he he's had a decent track record in the main. I mean, obviously he's number one, but he's had a decent track record. But, he but also my point had, is, is that you're you're pulling out of one of two buckets. You're either yeah. picking Jordan Spieth out of the major championship yeah. bucket, yeah, or right, you're pulling, right, right, right. Or, or and Ricky Fowler's had a good major right. championship stroke average, right. Or you're pulling out of the match play bucket, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's even stroke play versus match play. I think like last year with the picks, the U.S. went super conventional with like here are the guys, the four guys who are playing the best in stroke play events right now. Whereas the European team, we talked about this last week, they went for the experience and the match play pedigree and. Their captain's picks played way better than yes. the American picks. So I think the lesson from last year was like, let's pay a little bit less attention to just how these guys have done in recent seventy-two hole stroke play events, mm-hmm. right. and more attention to how their fit, how the the course fit, and their match play pedigree, right. and, and what kind of competitor there are. And then, like we said last week, they, we haven't really talked about that in this in this pick process. It was just like who's playing better right now by these you know, very conventional metrics. Right. Um, all right. Let's move on to um, Tommy Fleetwood because. Tommy Fleetwood is, you know, a big name, big star. He hadn't won a tournament in 22 months. 
Uh, so it's been a long time. He wins the Ned Bank Golf Challenge. Not only does he win, he wins a, a $2.5 million first-place prize which is in a playoff, which is, is pretty impressive. But um, I, I don't know, two, two things, Dan. I mean, first, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, impressed by his win and, and secondly why doesn't he win more i mean it, it's he's kind i hate i mean he's kind of like the ricky fowler of the, of yeah. the european tour well, yeah he's won he's got five wins over there right. but none on the pga tour right yeah i think part of it is like he only plays he seems to only play in the really really elite events on the mm-hmm. pga tour so he still splits his time so he's playing you know the majors the wgc's bay hill riviera um and he's been there a lot he's been at the top of the leaderboard a lot of you know the players this year and at the U.S. Open last year, he's been at the top of some some huge leaderboards. Sure. Why isn't he breaking through? I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's a it's a question that I, I don't know if he would be able to answer. Um, I know his scoring average on the weekend is is been much poorer than it has been over the first two rounds over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get the sense that someone like him who's still he's still just 28 years old, even though it feels like he's been around a while. I feel like if he gets one early in the year, it can it can really open the floodgates. He's right. like just way too good of a ball striker to not have one on the PGA Tour yet. You he's one of the guys that you watch in person mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, he's really really good but he's yeah. got this left miss he's got this kind of high left miss starts left side of the fairway finishes like 20 yards mm. left of the fairway that kind of rears its head under pressure yeah, in the worst times yeah. and you don't want a left miss and under pressure yeah that's an interesting thing i would love to know you, you know about left misses <laughs> <laughs> i do under pressure especially it rears, in fact sights cuff Ooh, my final two it? shot will be left really? so yeah it was a big shot Ooh. too too quick but yeah i mean seriously I, that would be another interesting kind of analysis you could do is uh how many of his how many of his sort of close calls both in tournament and major championships have resulted in him hitting you know just like bad shots in the most inopportune mm-hmm. moments I, mean, I, I don't know but that's a that's an excellent point about that's like when you when you struggle with one thing mm-hmm. that's when you and that's when you start to feel it is you know in those kind yeah, of critical you think moments about it too you're like I, you protect against it yeah so. But two point five million dollars, which is crazy, because the 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 purse was like only seven point five. Yeah, they gave it all to the, fir- to the first place guy, which kidding. kind of distorted. Actually, I was talking to someone about this. It kind of distorted the race to Dubai. Yeah. Because the race to Dubai is all about money. The points is basically just right. money, whereas right. the you know the U.S. is FedEx Cup points. So Fleetwood hasn't really been having that great of a season right. on the European tour, and now he's all of a sudden second in the race to Dubai because he won two point five million dollars, well, which is the biggest check of the whole in year. In a way, then they're kind of mirroring the FedEx Cup, though, because you have whoever wins those playoff events yeah. automatically jumps no, up to right. like you're one or two. That's a good point. And they kind of catch the guys who actually had a great great year. I'm not, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but uh, that that yeah, that is interesting. I you know the Ned Bank Golf Challenge is such an interesting interesting event. Um, we see these. The baboons, we see the the mongooses, mongooses. all over not the mongoose. place. Not mongooses. Wait, we we always have to like look that up every <laughs> year. The plural of mongoose. Um, we saw. Uh, we love Chris Powers here, but he he likes to use this headline. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This, this is, is it. Mo- this is the greatest of something else. <laughs> now he did this on Friday. Thomas Dietrich hit a tee shot that was going into a water hazard. For some reason, there was a pole there with a windsock on top, I guess, yeah. to measure the wind. It hit the pole and came back in. So he said, this is it. This is the luckiest <laughs> break of all time. Now, again, it was it was one of the luckiest breaks I've ever seen. But the next <laughs> day, <Fleetwood, yeah. laughs> some dude hit a shank that hit off the bank of a bunker and almost went into the bunker. And it's so, you know, we. my point is, especially— Fleetwood also got a lucky break on Sunday. Yes. Hit a ball that was like yes, off the sprinkler head. Off the sprinkler head, bounced back to like <laughs> yeah. almost gimme range. So Russell. I'm saying the Ned, the Ned Bank especially, I would just refrain from declaring these things the luckiest of all time. But also, aren't there examples about at the players on, on 17 guys hitting the railroad tie, like literally oh, bouncing yeah. it yes. on the railroad tie yeah. on the pole and then bouncing like yeah. three or four times and then landing— so no, I mean, there's, yeah, you go. It's preposterous to call it this to say this. Wow, well, yeah, yeah, it's preposterous. So anyway, this is a. We, I hate to break it to people, but sometimes we use hyperbole with headlines <laughs> on golfdigest.com. <laughs> Chris, Chris it's really takes it to another another level. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, we got some some rules stuff, obviously, uh, and and the, the the biggest. There's always a rules controversy every week now it seems, but this one was really literally every week. This literally it's every crazy. Week. This one is one of the weirdest. Um, it's also one of the most commendable because obviously Russell Henley turned himself in here. Yeah. But the one ball rule is a rule. Mm-hmm. And you, as a former competitor, Dan, I yeah. wonder if this has ever happened I don't to even you. Think that was but like in junior events, I don't think that they was a even rule. No, go for like that. Not everyone can afford to have like a bajillion Pro V ones in their bag. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, uh, but I know, I, I know where the the rule comes from. Obviously, you don't want someone to switch. You know, 
for a spinnier ball, yeah. if it's not windy. You know what I mean? You could switch between or a switch balls when you're putting. Right. Versus, so there is reason, there is logic to the rule. Mm-hmm. But Russell Henley finished his round. He takes him out to sign. He notices one of the balls is slightly different. Now, it was still, I believe, it was still a Pro V1X. Yeah, that's it was a thing. dash. It, it had the dash. The, the new, there's a new there's model. There's a new model. Yeah. It has this dash on it. People made such a big deal about it. It's the same ball. I mean, it just has a dash. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, he got screwed by this dash because he noticed it, and he reported himself, and yeah. he knew he played it. Somehow he knew he had played with it for the – he must switch out every mm-hmm. few holes, but through 9 through 12, and it's two-stroke penalty for each hole – Eight-stroke penalty, misses the cut, yeah. had shot like 65-69, was like easily going to make the cut. He was in like a good, really good yeah, spot. Yeah, in a good well, spot. And let's not forget about the fact that the reason he was playing that ball is he gave his other balls to to the standard bearer. Oh. That was the reason. Is that why? Yeah. It oh. was, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the story wrong, but it had something to do with him giving balls away to volunteers at something. So it was like and then, a, so then he dug into his bag and used the other balls. Exactly. But those other balls should have never been – I mean, obviously I don't think he ever meant to – and again, he didn't throw the caddy under the bus or anything. I would think that he would never want two different kinds of balls in his bag. He probably just with. got a just new a, shipment of right. Pro V1s from his sponsor and didn't right. realize that they had a different marking on right. them. Right, right. Yeah, uh, the moral of the story is you shouldn't give anything to volunteers. There we go. <laughs> that's right. That's or, right. Or, or sign things for children. Or sign yeah. things. He wouldn't yeah. have noticed if it yeah. were that. But I, that, that's just terrible. So no, you never, you didn't no, have to worry I'm about not, that. No, no kind of, nothing like that. But it's really incredible that he did. Like, no one would have noticed. No one would, no, no no one one. would have had any sort of clue. No one. That he did anything wrong. And again, the di- I mean, not that we would condone him not turning himself in, but the difference would be so negligible. I mean, it would be nothing. I mean, he pl- Right. Did it give him any right. sort of competitive advantage? Right. Absolutely I, I not. I think when the f- story came out at first, people were like, wait a second. How did this guy who's playing a Titleist real, you know, not notice he was playing a Callaway? That's yeah. not what happened. I mean, right. he's playing a Pro V1X, <laughs> and it's marked the same and everything, except there's just this little dash on it. So be 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 careful out there. Another rules thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a— This, this is, is a little more serious. This is—yeah, I mean, it's— uh, um, Golf.com, our Michael Bamberg, our hated rivals. Great job. Um, with they the did, story. yeah, just you know, reported out the whole Billy Mayfair um, saga in the in the senior senior season ending uh, event. And there's two incidents. One about him sort of uh, not being completely truthful, allegedly, I should say, allegedly not being completely truthful about how much time he spent looking for. Uh, his ball because the new rule yep. is three minutes. It used to be five minutes, and it turns out that it was actually he spent like four minutes looking for right. it. So that was the first one. And then later in the round, also him grounding his club uh, behind the ball, the ball and the ball and the ball, you know, oscillating a little bit in in the in the process. No, I think like it rolled. Rolled. Yeah, it rolls. Yeah, correct. Yeah, feet. correct. So I think if it oscillates, it might but, not. Right. If it's ro- if it rolls, it's. You know, it's but black then and white. again, the problem is that his interpretation was he did nothing wrong either time. And then he was showed evidence of doing wrongdoing. Yeah. There was video evidence right. of, of both. There was video evidence of how long it took to search for the ball. There was video evidence of the ball moving and him grounding the club. And both times he kind of gave a different thing. So he ended up being DQ. Right, because a lot of these a lot of these rules uh, scenarios that arise, we talk about all the time, even the one with Christina Kim a few weeks back, it was a situation in which the player was unaware of it and they signed for their card. Well, this was one where they actually presented him yes. with the evidence prior to him signing the card, right. correct? Yeah. Am I right about that? And so it was one of those kind of um, moments of clarity where you right. could say, before you sign your card, right. uh, is this accurate? And he went ahead and did it, and that's obviously what, what caused him to, right. to be the accused. So, and then there was too much evidence to to go with his side. The only thing I'll add about this, and there's a whole bunch of stories about uh, certain players I don't really want to get into. I will say this, is that it's one thing um, to... Let's flip it around. Rather than talk about guys who cheat, guys who play by the rules in situations like Russell Henley, you know, call penalties on themselves. It's one thing to do that when you're at the top of your sport and you're doing great and you miss out on one paycheck but you're still living a good life. It's another thing when you are fighting for your livelihood or... You know, like yeah. have bills to pay, and you and you call that upon yourself. Right. Because um, my understanding is that Billy Mayfair is you know is not a guy who's rolling in it right now. Right. So that was part so, of the story. Right? Yeah, like he had a divorce despite and, yeah. a lot of career earnings. But right. yes, that he's he's had. So some just think times. about. So to put him aside. Think about the guys who who have that type of pressure on them. Right. And still do it. Because it, it, you hear these stories all the time, and it's yep. amazing. I yep. mean, I mean, you cheat all the time in these little, <laughs> these little like you know five dollar matches. Yeah. Right. So 
I was going to bring up the Astros cheating. I mean, that's that's cheating. That's cheating. Yeah. It's almost that's like you cheating. can't even – I don't even want to get in other sports because in every <laughs> other sport, I was just – there's a time I was like hockey. It's like if you're not – it's like if you're not – you know the 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 ethos in other sports is if you're not cheating you're not trying right you know? and like golf is so apart from that yes and it's like one of those yes. things where it's true and so it's, it's but in but yeah no not to go but in baseball they're like you can kind of cheat by stealing signs but not using electronics of course and not so i mean yes there's still there's still limits my know? point is is that on the on the on the grand scheme of cheaters in the world trying to cheat in baseball regardless of your means is sort of see under the realm of being a competitor and being, yeah. and when golf, it's just you are yes. you're the no, lowest go- of the golf low. is definitely held to different, different standard. Uh, one quick thing before we talked to Slav, Sergio Garcia's baby uh, gender reveal. I, I have a question uh, about gender reveals that yeah, you might be able right, to yeah, answer. Okay. How does it logistically work? I have the same question. Like, so the doctor knows, and then the, you, do you have the doctor call the uh, the? I don't know company, because I would never do it. Like how? Yeah, that's a good point. How does Someone that work? there obviously knows because they've. Put whatever they, yeah. blue or pink it. thing there. In this case, for Sergio, it was an exploding golf ball that that turned blue. But but yeah, supposedly he nor his wife know when that happens. So they they designate a liaison. They must. between the doctor. Yes, right. They slip it in an envelope. Ball, golf ball or balloon. Yeah. I thought it was the actual sort of uh, I think blood you, test I, is revealed in the. I'm kidding. No, I <laughs> I act no. I to answer seriously, I actually do because I, I do think even when we were finding out the sex war. Uh, first kid they said we can do you want to know we can put it in an envelope or something okay so, so maybe they envelope. give you an envelope and then sergio and angela take the envelope to a trusted friend it's like but a uh, nice water cooper house yeah the oscars account this is a rel like this is what a couple years old i never heard of a gender reveal it's like, a new thing. yeah but now it's everybody's Everywhere. doing it it's, and people are literally dying doing them. Yeah. i mean it's died? crazy yes someone died in a gender reveal recently and a plane a crashed too and so, amazingly a plane crashed and no one died in that one but no there was one where it was it was an explosion bigger than an exploding golf ball, obviously someone died someone, someone who like, was there oh, yes like a like bystander a, like a grandma or something oh my goodness so these have gotten out of hand so it's it was good to see that no one got hurt here and we like the enthusiasm for sergio but they are a little they're getting a little much. You, Sam, you you never did. Obviously, you never heard of it. I, I would never do it. So, no. so Dan, your your generation. It'll please be it'll be stop over it. and done by the time. Yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. We had a great talk this week with World Golf Hall of Famer Davis Love the third. Obviously, Ryder Cup captain as well. Uh, talked to him about you know Tiger's first time as a captain. Talked about. That uh, first Tiger victory that we keep seeing highlights of, Tiger beating Davis Love in a playoff in at Las Vegas in 1996. bunch of other things. Obviously, this week is the RSM Classic, which he is the host of at Sea Island Golf Club. So a big week for Davis. Uh, please have a listen to our chat with Davis Love III. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the fitness tracker that is changing the way people track their fitness, sleep, and recovery to optimize their performance. We all want to find ways to improve our performance through sleeping better, training smarter, or being more mindful of how recovered our bodies are. Whether we want to be bringing our best performance to the course or in our day-to-day lives at work and at home. Whoop goes beyond tracking steps and provides personalized daily insight in real time into how recovered your body is, how much exertion and stress you've taken on, and how much sleep you should be getting. Get next-level insights into your sleep by being able to see the stages of sleep you get, how efficient your sleep is, and your overall performance for how much sleep you got compared to what your body needed. Automatically track your workouts and training, whether it be a long 18-hole round of golf or intense session at the gym. Based on the intensity of the training, you'll get real-time insight into how much exertion your body took on. Get daily recovery scores when you wake up that let you know how ready your body is to perform or if it needs rest to recover. All of these insights are provided within the Whoop app. The Whoop Strap 3.0 offers five-day battery life and the ability to charge while wearing, so you'll never miss a beat of data and get a full 24-7 snap of your heart rate activity. If you're looking to improve the way you train, sleep, and recover, Whoop has provided our listeners a 15% offer for any Whoop membership. A Whoop membership comes with the Whoop Strap 3.0 for free, and you get access to the app based on the monthly plan you choose. Go to Whoop.com today and use the code GD15 to save 15% off a membership to unlock your performance and start optimizing the way you train, sleep, and recover. That's Whoop, 
W-H-O-O-P.com and use the code GD15 to get 15% off. Excited to welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast, 21-time PGA Tour winner, World Golf Hall of Famer, Davis Love III. Davis, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Well, obviously, this is a, a big week for you. Uh, you are, you're the host of the RSM Classic. Um, you're also, I, I know you, you play as well, of course, but um, just talk about how, how big of a week this is for you. I know Sea Island is such a special place and uh, for you and your family and, and, and everything else that goes into uh, making the RSM Classic. the week before they're already building a giant tent in my yard for the pro-am draw party <laughs> i said i either better get out of here quick before they put me to work um or something's gonna happen so it, <laughs> it's an incredibly big week um in our little town right. I, I was on the board of the tour five times and one time at a tour board meeting i said we might be the smallest market on the tour pga tour events they go oh no you're by far the smallest market <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting down there myself so for the first time, so I'm excited to check it out. I've never been down to, to Sea Island or St. Simons, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I know there's some beautiful courses down there. Um, what, what are some of your, your host duties this week? You mentioned uh, a drawing party in your backyard. Is that Are you kind of uh, you know busy with stuff all week? Oh, yeah, it's, it's nonstop. Um, we start off Sunday night with a kickoff um, party for our Monday Pro-Am, which has turned into just a great event. Um, we have RSM teams. We have teams from BMW, our car sponsor. Um, all the local guys like to play in it. Um, we have a plane that goes from the Mayakoba tournament back home for the guys that are playing in the Monday Pro-Am. So oh, nice. It's a, it's a great start to the week on Monday, but I, I jump right in and play Monday Pro-Am. <laughs> um, Tuesday, I generally don't play a whole lot of golf, but we have our Southern Soul Barbecue on the range on Tuesday for all the, the players and the manufacturers that do so much for us during the year. Um, you know, the Titleist truck and all the guys and all the trucks come out and eat. Um, and then Tuesday night is the draw party for the Pro-Am on Wednesday. And generally that's in a ballroom at the hotel or in the clubhouse of the, of mm-hmm. the tournament course. But in our case, it's in my yard. And that's one, one of the big draws, though, is, you know, we do something a little different. It's a small town, and it's, right. uh, it's our tournament, my family's tournament. So, um, and then Wednesday, the big pro-am. Um, we have a little concert um, show with Darius Rucker on Wednesday night. And then we just go right into golf. And then Saturday, we have a big concert with uh, Cole Swindell mm-hmm. um, at the airport. Um, you know, be 5,000 people there. Um, and I go to all those things. So, <laughs> I'm just I'm just busy. Plus, oh by the way, I try to um, try to beat the kids in the tournament That's as well. Right. So it's it's an exciting week for for me, but it's a it's a busy week. Very cool. Obviously, you made a, a little bit of news recently off the course. So, well, you will be on the course, I guess, uh, with your new role at CBS. And I know uh, that you're you're going to get some reps and some practice reps between now and the end of the year. I wonder how's that process going so far. I know you've been busy, obviously, with with the RSM, but how's that process going so far? And have you have you talked to some of your new coworkers like Jim Nance and Nick Faldo? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been talking to a lot of people at CBS, uh, announcers and mostly production people mm-hmm. who are trying to get get me up to speed. Um, you know, I told them until after the RSM tournament, I really can't do much. But I have all of December. Um, to do some practice. Mm-hmm. You know, they hired Tony Romo a few years ago to do football, and they took him into these studios, and they practiced with him and got him ready for the season. <laughs> and I, all along, I said, hey, I, I watched what you did with Tony. Um, I'm friends with so many people in the CBS golf and CBS sports game, but I knew what they did. I said, I want to do the same thing as Tony. I want to practice a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I want to know the system. And and they they know me well enough to know that um one that I need practice and two that I'm willing to willing to work at it. So we're mm-hmm. gonna set that up in December. Um, you know, I'll be hanging around um, a little bit the the T V compounds in um in Hawaii. I'm gonna play a couple weeks maybe just to see. I'm gonna probably do at San Diego but Thursday, Friday on the golf channel side, 
that CBS produces, but I'll be probably a walking announcer okay. in San Diego. So I'm probably, I'll probably sneak around the compound at the Sony Open or the Mitsubishi Champions Tour event right. and learn, learn how the buttons work and how things like that go, just to get my feet uh, wet a little bit before I get to San Diego with some, um, not practice on air, but just, you know, feeling out where the buttons are and how the equipment works and things like that. Sure. Uh, how is this going to impact your, your playing schedule? I mean, obviously, you're, you, I assume you're going to play less or, or you kind of kind of play about the same amount and have, you know, have no off weeks, really, and where you're, you're announcing in between. Well, I'm going to play less than I've intended to play. Okay. In the last few years, I've had, I've had so many surgeries, I've been barely making it to mm-hmm. 15 or 16 events um, for various reasons. I feel like the next couple of years with CBS, um, I'm going to be doing about the same thing. I'll play, you know, 15 to 17 events around uh, a 17 or 18, 19 event schedule with CBS. But my CBS weeks will be shorter. They won't be going on Monday and leave on Sunday like right. a PGA Tour event when right. I'm playing. Um, I'm going to do mostly weekends. Okay. So there'll be shorter weeks. Um, and obviously, I need to go play more Champions Tour events. <laughs> um, I've been playing with these kids like Drew Love and JT Poston and all these guys. Um, Keith Mitchell at Sea Island. I need to go to the Champions Tour. <laughs> a lot farther. Than, and, you know, getting older and more beat up every year. And my, my distance is just dropping off. And mm. it's, it's starting to show. I need to go. Um, I need to go over there with, with my buddies on the Champions Tour, yeah. and that that works well with the CBS schedule. I can play. Um, you know, they they jump big into NFL. Right. Um, they do one one playoff event, and then they're to the NFL. Then I'll have September, October, November. I can I can do some um, Champions Tour events. Sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, well, first of all, you're saying you're losing some pop, but you've you've held on to some pop for a long time. First of all, what's your your biggest uh, secret, I guess, to, to longevity, because you've done it for a long time. And obviously you won a PGA tour event when you were almost 52 years old, one of the, one of the oldest winners ever. Uh, what, what is your secret to, to doing it for so long? Well, I, I love playing. Yeah. You know, I, I walk out in some of these PGA tour events and, and I watch the kids hit it on the range. I go, what am I doing here? <laughs> but I, but I love being out there with them. I love competing. You know, I, I fantasize that maybe, yeah, I could be healthy enough and, <laughs> and strong enough for a week right. to, to maybe compete and win. Um, I, I don't like the feeling of going out there and just trying to make the cut. But I've been playing, and like I said, when I turned 50, if I putt well enough, I can still win on the PGA Tour. And like right. you said, I did do that um, at Wyndham when I was 51 years old. Mm-hmm. I still feel like if I could get healthy, I just came off another foot surgery this summer. Um, I feel like if I could get healthy, what I've been saying about Tiger Woods, if he can play a full season or win a golf tournament, right. I feel like if, I feel like if I could play a full season, I could still be competitive, but I haven't done that in the last few years. Uh, I'm just playing catch-up now. So, But I love to play. I love to work at it, and, and that's the secret. And I've been blessed you know, to, to have some – exemptions from either from winning or lifetime exemptions from winning 20 events that I can stay out and play and keep working on my game. A lot of guys, you know, when they hit 40 or 45, they don't have a place to play. Right. And um, I, I've been very, very lucky that I had a place to play. And obviously now with the championship tour, um, I can go out there and, and, uh, and play some with them and see how I'm doing before I go back to the regular tour. Sure. Well, those Champions Tour guys better better watch out. Then I know, I'm sure you saw the Jeff Maggard hole out and Scott McCarron winning the Schwab Cup, and they were all drinking the red wine and hanging out in the clubhouse. It sounds like it seems like a pretty fun fun place to play. It is. <laughs> this year's this season, I played the most I played on the Champions Tour. Hey, all of my buddies are out there now. Right. Guys that I came, that guys that I came up with, more and more of them are turning fifty. Um, and just to be out there with Billy Andrews and Fred Couples and Jeff Sluman and Lee Jansen and all those guys is so much fun. Um, but what you saw at the end of the Schwab Cup, they're really, really good. Sure. sure. Make a, they make a lot of birdies. <laughs> and and that's – I have not been competitive out there, just like I haven't really the last, you know, year, year and a half on the regular tour. 
I haven't been competitive because I haven't been making enough putts because mm-hmm. I haven't been healthy. And out there, you see these guys, they're not just out there riding around in golf carts playing. They're, they're walking. They're in the gym. They're working hard on their games. Every afternoon when I go to the range, there's um, Scott McCarron and a bunch of other guys out there pounding balls. They're not just out there on a, on a victory lap. They're working hard on their games. You know, Bernard Langer never lets up. Right. Um, it, it's really, really incredible how hard they work at it and how good they are. And guys that I did not know coming up, like Scott Farrell, he makes everything. <laughs> <laughs> like these guys, these guys are serious golfers. It's not just a retirement sport. Um, I need to work hard on my game uh, if I'm going to go out there and compete against them for sure. Right. Well, obviously, we have the, the President's Cup coming up, and, and Tiger Woods is going to get his first crack as being the captain, and, and he served as an assistant for you uh, at Hazeltine. And I just wonder, what, what do you, you know, have you, have you talked to him recently at all? Have you given him any advice? I, I'm sure, obviously, he, he learned a lot from you uh, watching you in action at, in 2016. But what, has there been any, any dialogue with you guys uh, concerning the President's Cup? Talked a few times, and, and obviously now a lot of texts about what's going on. Um, he called me before Japan, and he told me he was playing really well. And I said, you're trying to get me to say that it's okay to pick you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I want to see how you play on the golf course. Right. We bogeyed, we bogeyed the first three. I went, oh, no. <laughs> and then he proved that um, that he probably is the number one pick on that sure. on that team. And, um, you know, I told him, look, if, if Michael Jordan can run up and down the court and make some passes – and get guys to play defense, even if he's not the highest scorer on the team, we want him on the team. Right. And that's the same thing, that's the same way the score players feel, the guys that are on that team, wait, we could have Tiger Woods on our team? <laughs> yeah, we want Tiger Woods on our team. And they got him as a captain, but, but they know enough to, hey, he's going to beat people if we put him out there. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a great partner. If I'm Patrick Reed or Tony Finau, who do you want to be your partner? You want Tiger Woods. Right. He, he just he just won in Japan. He just won the Masters. Right. Um, that's who you want to be your partner. So, yeah, um, he's going to be great all around. He was, he was extremely helpful and supportive to me, um, not only in 16, um, but in 12, um, when I've been assistant captains with him. Um, we, we've had a great time together. Um, he's excellent at pairings. He's obviously great at, at motivational speeches because everybody wants to hear him talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a win-win for the for the team. It's a win for the President's Cup. And it's um, it's great for golf. Sure, you, you mentioned getting to play with him, and obviously you you did that a few times. And I, I was ranking Tiger's Ryder Cup partners through the years last year and i i saw you guys were two and one together and i and i just wondered why was it that i i know you got broken up for in 2004 i guess how sutton put tiger and phil together we all know that but in 2002 you were two and oh together i just can't believe that you didn't play more than three matches together and you never played at the president's cup together do you do you kind of wish that you had gotten more of a chance to play with him oh yeah well we, <laughs> that's what happened to him early on starting in 97 Everybody wanted to play with Tiger, and then if he, then if he, if that pairing didn't work, the captain would switch to switch another guy that right. wanted to play with him. Right. And Tiger never really got settled. And there was, there was the first time I was going to play with him. They were going to put another guy with him, mm-hmm. and they were going to ask that guy. This was on a a Friday night, I think, and and they said, "Well, this guy's going to play Tiger's ball." And I went, "No, no, no." That guy can't play Tiger's ball <laughs> in alternate shot. Right. I can play. I can play Tiger's ball <laughs> alternate shot because I knew him enough from when he was a teenager. So I went to the captain and I said, "Let me go test his ball for 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and I'll come back and tell you." And I said, "Look, let me play with a guy. You keep switching him around. Give him, give him somebody that he knows and that can play his ball." And it was a great. It was a great pairing for me because all I had to do was get it somewhere in the fairway and needed it close. And it was good for him to finally get a win and to get some um, some pressure off of him. But he's a great partner if the other partner doesn't get intimidated mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. other partner doesn't try too hard. Right. And that's why I think I think Patrick Reed. Uh, it, obviously, it didn't work in Paris, but Patrick 
Reed's a great partner for him. Right. Because Patrick is not intimidated by him, is going to show off for him mm-hmm. and and be excited. Or why uh, Justin Thomas or somebody like that that plays a lot of golf with Tiger and is comfortable with him and is not going to go, oh, no, I hope I don't mess Tiger up. Right. Um, I think that's what happened to Tiger and Phil. It's like, oh, we can't lose, <laughs> you know? Right. We can't we can't screw this up. Right. And and it put too much, you know, and, and Tiger felt that from switching around. He, he'll tell you he felt like he had to win five points without his job. You know, he was putting too much pressure on himself in the Ryder Cup matches or President's Cup matches. And now he's a great leader. You know, he's a great friend to, to a lot of us because of what he's done for the Ryder Cup, President's Cup teams over the years. And um, it was a big statement for him to say in 2015 early, I am going to the Ryder Cup in 16 no matter what. I'm gonna, if I don't make it as a player, um, I'm going to still be there as a captain. And um, I think that was a big boost for our team. That was a big boost for him. It, it pulled him into our our circle even more, and uh, he's been <laughs> he wears me out about pairings. <laughs> he does too many scenarios. But that's good. That's good because we're prepared, right? And um, and I think I think that's going to be his strength. He'll have this all figured out before they get on the airplane to go down there. Who's playing with who, and how it's going to work. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, I guess we're overrating the the playing aspect. He'll he'll have it all prepared before so that he doesn't have to do much thinking once he gets there, I guess is what you're saying. Um, yeah, they'll have a system down and they'll go in. Obviously great about presence cup is you can match up who's playing who. Right. Um, you take turns throwing your pairings out there. So they'll have some fun with that. Um, but yes, he will, he will have a plan. He knows his team. You can watch how they're, they're playing. They've got a couple guys down here and um, playing in Mexico. A couple guys will be playing. Well, I think everybody will be playing in the Bahamas. But you'll get to see how guys are playing and, mm-hmm. and how they're doing before they go in. The, the other thing that I want to ask you about Tiger is obviously his 82nd win to tie Sam Snead's record, but now they keep showing his first win over and over again. Of course, that came against you uh, at Las Vegas in, in, in 1996. So what, what do you remember about that day? And have you, have you had people come up to you recently and tell you that they've, they've kind of seen that clip, uh, unfortunately, over and over again uh, of the playoff? it enough <laughs> well we tiger and i have joked about that for years mm-hmm. and um it's amazing he remembers everything about that whole day and and those he, he told me one time why why'd you hit driver off the tee if you hit three would you could have hit first into the green wow i said yeah well it was the eight iron that got me or it was hitting it in the left bunker that got me he goes that was an eight iron how can you miss the green with an eight iron you know he <laughs> He's so into the match or the competition. But what I keep telling him is I doubled 10 with a sand wedge or he wouldn't even have been in the playoff. <laughs> so it was, he was lucky to, to get in the playoff. But, but it would've, he would have beat me in the playoff the next week probably if it, if it wasn't in Vegas. But, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's fun to be around the guy and, and to have played against him. Um, obviously, we've all lost a lot of tournaments to him. But um, I'm glad he got one and I'm glad he got – 82 and I, I know it's uh, not the end for him sure i think you might be the only person to lose to tiger and phil in a playoff i just saw that that's that's an interesting footnote there not sorry i don't mean to bring up a bad yeah a lot of great players though yeah a lot of great players on that list uh for sure um let me just ask quickly, uh, how's your, uh, your UNC, your, your Tar Heels looking? It looks like Cole Anthony uh, is, is the real deal. Yeah, um, <laughs> I get excited every basketball season. Um, I get excited every football season in North Carolina. I get excited every basketball season. But this one kind of feels like it's over the top. Uh-huh. I, know, I know Coach Williams has said some pretty incredible things about Cole and um, – you know, I hope I hope he gets his degree, but I, right. I doubt he will. Right, right, right. So, but um, yeah, it, that first game was incredible. It's gonna be a fun season to watch. Um, it's like old times. I'm, I've got Mac Brown there in football, and yep. and and Roy, who who was there when obviously when I was there as assistant to to Dean Smith. So I, I love watching Carolina sports, and um, it's it's gonna be a great basketball season. 
Well, I'm a Wake Forest guy myself, so I'm glad we nipped you at football because I don't think we are going to come close in basketball. We're, we're pretty pathetic. We beat Columbia by two points yesterday. So so that's going to be easy easy wins for you on the well, schedule. We owe, you, we owe you guys for football season. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Davis, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you down there at Sea Island. Uh, you're going to have a great week there, I'm sure. We look forward to hearing you on CBS down the road as well. So thanks again, and, and uh, have a great uh, few weeks coming up here. Thank you. See you, see you on. All right. Take care, Davis. Right, Bye. Thanks. thanks again to Davis Love III for joining us. All right, let's uh, wrap up with some awards here. The best one-day story, that goes to the man who is suing Sunningdale Golf Club uh, after he was kicked out for allegedly playing too much golf at Sunningdale. Very famous course, by the way, obviously. Sean Connery. Uh, what's the guy's name? The other actor. I love him. The Notting Hill I need guy. some more. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I love Hugh Grant. I can't believe I blanked his, on his name. Anyway, they're members there. It's a big, you know, big golf club. Apparently, he played more than thirty times a year. He also though has an overseas membership, which is not the full membership, and so that's yeah. where I think the problem is. What, Sam, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're a I member. Mean, what key know. subhead right there? The, yeah. the overseas membership. Yeah, that that is a big difference. I, I mean, that's bad. The, the worst thirty times is is a good amount. It's not crazy, but yeah. I mean, first of all, I've heard stories like this. I've heard about a a, a well known club in our area that never mind guy playing there a lot. I've heard about guys who like guys were seen practicing there too much like basically using the club too much because right. there's certain clubs i don't think Sunningdale would fall in this category because i don't know, know enough about it obviously a very well-known club but there's certain clubs that sort of pride themselves on being like second yes. clubs like you know augusta nationals pretty yeah. much a second yeah. club uh you know shinnecock's a cypress. second club yeah, yeah. so like if you're there all the time it's sort of frowned upon right so um I think this has more to do with the fact that the guy was not a regular member and right. was sort of betraying the spirit of being a non-resident member. And so. it was still the the overseas membership was only about fifteen hundred bucks a year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. Something, and the full membership is only five thousand. Yeah, the courses so in not, England are like so much cheaper than here. It's deals. crazy. Yeah, I remember when we played at uh, Cruden Bay last year. There was a guy who was a member there, and he said, "There's a waiting list to get in, but eight hundred dollars for the year." Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The, the other thing I'll say is that um, I've heard about this, and there was a famous case with, I think it was Bob Parsons uh, yes. with his Scottsdale, Scottsdale. National yep. Golf Club. He sent this famous letter yep. to the membership being like, we're cutting all the dead weight. Now that, as someone who's extremely cheap like myself, I can appreciate this, like going to the clubs and not spending any money, like right. taking no lessons, buying no food, right. no drinks, like literally. Just practicing or just like playing golf too. Playing. Do, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not supporting the club. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know. But, you know, if you're paying a lot already – but my point is, is that yeah. I understand that. But if yeah. if you're comparing that to Danny Rappaport, who's a member who's you know tipping everyone and, and right. buying all this food and things yes, like that, sir. exactly. I don't know why I'm suddenly <laughs> yeah. painting you. I'm Mr. Generous, <laughs> man. <laughs> I hand twenties out. Yeah. So so like if if you compare me to him, well, I'd rather have much more many guys like him as opposed to guys well, like me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, no, that's a no brainer. <laughs> um, all right, pros are just like us. Uh, Harold Varner, Carlos Ortiz met a guy. Uh, Sam, you wanted to do a list of things that are 2019. This is this it. is this it. Is it. <laughs> I mean, this is at the top of the list. Uh, they met this guy playing Call of Duty, which I guess you play against online. people online, yeah. right? And they became such great friends with him. The Harold Varner, he, he's from Mexico. This guy, they fl- his name is Arturo. He flew him to the tournament, put him up at his house. They hung out the whole week. They they had this video where they're hugging. They're like, "I love you." Yeah. I mean, they think they're actually in the military with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> they have a bond yeah, with him. Salute, salute. It's unbelievable. No, I mean, it's actually what you're saying. One of the most 2019 experiences that I have on a semi-regular basis is meeting people in person that I only knew on Twitter before. That's true. That so happens like a lot. Like me and you, for yes. instance. Yes. I, we followed each other on Twitter yes. before we actually met. Yes. And then D- what do you do? Do you there, introduce yeah. each other? Right. Do you introduce yourself? Act like you don't know who they right, are. Right. Do you walk up and right. act like you've been old buddies forever? Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's tough. There was a guy I met recently who I only knew through, and he was like, he was like a, a good four inches taller than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, yeah. so jarring for the very reason. Anyway, uh, great headline by you. This is for your story. Yeah. PGA Tour pros have emotional meeting with dot 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 some guy they met through a video game. <laughs> I mean, that's what it, it is. It's <laughs> very accurate headline. Yeah. Um, all right, our stat of the week. We've already discussed a lot of Brendan Todd stats, but I, I like to always break down into comparing his win total. So he has three career wins. That is now equal to the career win total of Ian Poulton. You love it. <laughs> I always love doing that. Hey, no, it's amazing. It's misleading, and, though. And uh, it's not. Guess but how many starts Ian Poulter has on PGA Tour? How many? Two, 274. Oh, that was pretty close. But how many European Tour wins does he have? 
Yeah, he's got like 10. Okay. So no, I'm saying it's I, not I, like he's Ian like Paul's a... Ian Paul's a great player. I just I did a few weeks ago when Tiger won because the Zozo because it was his third win in his last 14 starts. And I was like, oh, who else has only three wins in their career? PJ Tour. Again, I know he's won other places, but it was Ian Poulter. So and I got a lot of people were, were upset with me for dragging Ian into, you know, kind of randomly. But also, so I, I'll drag in Ricky Fowler as well, who's another favorite <laughs> to compare. He has five wins in 236 starts. So Brendan Todd by what? Pebble Beach to have that eclipse. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the man. guy is the guy is on fire. He's on so. pace for about nine wins before Augusta. So. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, we got the RSM this week, and uh, you know, are we all? Let's just all pick Brendan Todd. I mean, he's playing. Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, do you have anybody if you, if you else? Bet on someone I mean, who's not Brendan Todd. You I don't right? Know what you're doing with your? He's life going for at this three point. straight. Uh, Webb Simpson's the favorite though, not Brendan Todd. That's what I saw. Okay, today. so who, who? Webb Simpson is the favorite. How, how anybody else? The, I mean, Kis- I mean the, the big Kisner question, needs a good Kisner week. Kisner needs a good week. Who is who is the uh, who is the highest ranked Sea Island resident? Sea Island Mafia resident. Sea Island Mafia uh, resident who is playing this week? Probably Kisner. Yeah, I don't. Does he right. does he live in Sea Island? I feel like he's part of that. No, he's an, he's from Aiken. He's That's from the whole thing. Oh, plays oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He so, won. I'm sorry. He won this tournament. Yeah. This was his first win a few years ago. Uh, so we should know the answer to that question. I'm trying to look at the field. I mean, it's here. not Zach Johnson anymore. No. It's not Davis Love. Right. Does, Lucas Glover Howell, is. Howell won last year. Where does where does he live? Is he a Jupiter guy? Who's that? He's not. Charles a, Howell. I don't think he's a Sea Island guy. I feel like he, he used might to be, be Orlando. A, I feel like he I, might be a Sea Island guy. He might be as well. He might be as well. And I remember like the big oh, story. Oh, you know who's on fire? Harris English. He's yeah, a Seattle he's guy. Seattle. There you go. He's red hot. I think he leads the tour in top tens. I think he's got four top tens already. Good year. call. So maybe Harris English. Also, though, we should mention the DP World Championship. Yeah, that's the European event. tour. That's actually the bigger event. The, the the finale on the European tour for the race to Dubai. Uh, we mentioned Bernd, Wiesberg, Bernd Wiesberger is in first place, but Tommy Fleetwood now is in second. Uh, Rory McIlroy is the overwhelming four to one favorite there actually not overwhelming rom is 6.5 to one uh your boy fitzpatrick 20 fifth he's yep. got a chance 21 I- i'm surprised the defending champ danny willett is 40 to one yeah that feels like a good bet right he's been solid form this year doesn't he yeah yeah i feel like he won somewhere else this year definitely he and, won earlier this year definitely and, well he won, a, he won the bmw didn't he yeah yeah, yeah he won yeah. the bmw and i'm trying to think i had this up here the winners of this event are pretty spectacular um Starting in 2012, Rory McIlroy, Henrik Stenson, Henrik Stenson, Rory McIlroy, Matthew Fitzpatrick, John Rahm, Danny Willett. It's yeah. a good run. It winner. is a good run. So they usually get, you know, and last year, Patrick Reed and Matt Wallace were runner-up to, to Danny Willett. So. Patrick Reed's probably got to think he's playing this week. Yeah, he plays in all those. He events. plays. He's a lifetime, lifelong member. That's of right, the European lifelong tour. member. European tour. Don't forget. Uh, before we go, I did want to, Dan, your tweet, I, I don't know why I just thought of it, but you're you actually said that Friends is, uh, what, more – it stood the test of time. So I've only – What did you uh, – then Seinfeld. I said I it's more – it feels more modern. You're doing it at the end of the podcast? Yeah, this be like I know. Another, this could be a whole other well, hour. Well, because he gave me all this crap last week for not thinking the Chainsmokers being at the players was, was a big deal, which I admit I was wrong. I guess the Chainsmokers are a big deal. But Seinfeld? You're taking cracks? Yeah, this was – I've been getting a lot of crap for this ever since I moved to New York. <laughs> Look, it's nothing against Seinfeld. It's just the show is, what, 30 years old now? And I mean, it's still amazing. But from Every what I've been episode, told, like – 70% of the conflicts in that show could be solved if one person had a mobile phone. But they didn't then. Yeah, I know. They didn't. You know I'm saying it. So it's, it's tough to... It's t- <laughs> well, so, wait, so hold on, just be, be clear. Is your argument that it's a better show or that it's no. held up better over time? My argument is that watching Friends is more palatable in 2019 because it's at least modern enough. It's fine. It's it's fine. It's a very small subcategory uh, we're talking I, about. You're as long a huge Seinfeld talking, guy. I'm surprised. I mean, you know, no, I'm, what I'm saying is that he's not conceding that it's a better show. He's saying that it holds up better by this very small... Of, and Friends yeah. is cl- clinging for life. It's not, it's not exactly, you know, they don't have iPhones. By the way, just but one it's, of, it's close enough. The, the one thing I got to complain about about Friends, though, is these people are supposed to be struggling. Right. And they have Ridicu- ridiculous yeah. apartments yeah. in the West Village. Right. Like, and, and again, most people who watch have no idea yeah, what it's like. How ridiculous you move to New York City, you understand. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, I, I was told, yeah, they're all kind of a struggling friend group. They're all in yeah. their 20s. And then I see their apartment, I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah. who's, yeah. The, who's the 100 millionaire? Right, exactly. <laughs> By the way, the, the most interesting thing I've read about Friends recently, which is an amazing sentence in itself, is um, the new Malcolm Gladwell book has a whole part about, it's all about 
uh, people's interpretation of other people and meeting strangers. And his whole contention is that uh, Friends is like the most transparent show ever. Like their facial expressions are exactly what. Uh, what? Greg's uh, nodding. I love it. Yeah. It's basically are exactly what their emotions are conveying. So like disappointment, you can tell this. Yeah. So, yeah. Not a to, lot of nuance. To the right. point where you, you don't have to have the sound on to you watch Friends to understand what's going on. Yeah. Wow. So it's a dumb, dumb down show. It's a dumb down. Yeah, for, yeah, for millennials yeah, like Dan. That's, yeah. that's why I like it because yeah. it's I'm uh, very dumb and the show is dumb as well. So, <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, that was fun, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Davis Love for joining us. Thanks to our new sponsor, Whoop. Thanks to our producer, as always, Greg Gottfried. Thank you for listening again. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already, and check back next week to see who our guest is.